the fucking um, uh, <laughs> Scotty. <laughs> Scotty. <laughs> One. You're doing the introductions today. Oh, no, you do it. No, you don't. Keep it consistent. One. Keep it consistent. I did one, he did one, and now it's your turn. Oh, okay. Get Fucking sort it out, Scotty. Get this done. Get this done. Get this Welcome to the Pipe Burn Podcast, Uncut. Um, we have Ben Brandt. <laughs> oh, <fuck. laughs> ben Brand. You're so shit. You do it, you do it. So shit. I don't want to do it. I'm not drunk enough. Welcome back to the Five Burn Podcast. We've got Ben Brand. <laughs> Who the <laughs> fuck is Ben Brand? Anthony Part- Partage and Scott Hopkins. <laughs> Hopkinsons. Um, all right, today we've Start got- again. No, no, just fuck it. That's this it. is it. <laughs> it's uncut. You can't stop editing this now. You want to fuck up customers. You want to fucking fuck up podcast people's names and it's on you. I've already changed the name on the website to Ben Brandt now. So just, I'm just going to roll with that. Yeah, this is, this What's is your other name again? Oh, James McBride is what yeah, I started yeah. under, yeah. Oh, that's right. I totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. I totally forgot about that. I had your, phone, your number in my phone under multiple names. I could never quite remember which one it was. Why did you start with an alias? Um, or was because, that your real name? No, that, I wish it was my real name. Um, no, I was writing for Time Out magazine in Hong Kong at the time and I wasn't supposed to be writing for anybody else. Oh, yeah, some sort oh, of right. exclusivity. Yeah, like I, I was writing a column for them. So yeah. then when I started Silodrome, which was about a different, completely different subject, um, I just started under a pseudonym. And then after about three years, Silodrome got quite popular, which I never expected. And then I had to change my name to my real name and tell everyone that I've been lying to them for three years. <laughs> well, hold on, let, let's wind it back a second just for our listeners out there that, that don't know uh, who you are. Russell Brand. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you say about the allegations made against you last week? <laughs> I'm not this laughing, is, just letting you know. Me either. Yeah, that me was either. not funny. Where's, um, where's the beat button? So Ben Branch from Silodrome <laughs> is our guest today. And uh, so, yeah, give, it, give us a little uh, who the fuck you are. Uh, so my name is Ben. I started Cytodrome in 2010. Uh, it was just a small thing, just as a hobby on the side, really, about cars and motorbikes and gear, stuff that I was interested in. And um, it just accidentally took off. I wasn't expecting it at all. Um, and then uh, over the next two to three years, it kept growing and I kept sort of putting more time and more effort into it. And then by 2014, it became a full-time job. It was, it was making enough money to be a full-time job. Um, and from there, it's just grown and it's done really, really well. And I'm just trying not to fuck it up. Nice. That's awesome. Um, kind of our motto. Am I allowed for to swear? Everything. Actually, yeah, yeah, try yeah. not to. Is he, he just said all that this stuff. This is uncut. Yeah, yeah, I've called everyone a cut. We're going to have oh, a okay. you know right. warning at the beginning, I think. <laughs> so tell us about the name. Like, I know what it means, but why that name? You know what it means? Yeah. I know it, in, it means. Until you just said it, I thought it was Silidrome. Yeah, a lot of people do, actually. And I get silly drome as well. I get that all the time. Um, so a silodrome is like uh, you might have seen the wall of death in an old carnival where they ride motorcycles around yep. the wall and another name for those back in the day was a silodrome because it kind of looks like a grain silo and they're riding around the walls and uh, I just happened to be there before I even started silodrome I happened to be reading about this stuff because I'm interested in it and then um, uh, I saw the word silodrome and I thought that's a cool kind of a cool sounding word so I yeah. went and checked and the, the dot com was available that's crazy and like, then so I just started a website based on that basically awesome I learned that today. I had no idea what a silo <laughs> was. I know what a silo is and 
I don't really know what a, a drone is. I know what a drone is. <laughs> you lived in a silo for a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ESL. Like my parents came from Egypt, so this is a new language to me. <laughs> my my uh, my brother used to use that. Actually, he once used that with the teacher, saying, "Oh, you know, I'm English second language." And she was like, "You're born here." He's like, "Yeah." So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's bring it back. So 2010, you said. So very much roughly the same nine or ten. 2010. So very much the same time that you were starting Pipeburn. Yeah, a couple, so couple of years later. Did mm. you guys connect through motorcycles and through websites? Did we connect first? Yeah, I don't know, actually. I remember I, I knew Pipeburn and Bike Except were the two custom bike sites that I knew. Yeah, I remember you were, you were riding for Bike Except. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I wrote yeah. some features for Chris back in the day. I thought we were allowed, weren't allowed to say that. I thought that was a swear word. Oh, we're yeah, <laughs> we're <laughs> Well, who even knows who owns Bike Exif anymore? I think last time I looked at it was a um, publication that does publishing with guns and sewerage and all sorts of things. Because it was Iron and Air for a while. Yeah, really? Yeah. yeah, it was Iron and Air for a while. They bought it and then they sold that part of it. Um, what, from Chris? They bought it off Chris. I, I didn't even know Chris sold it. Yeah, yeah, yeah he no, sold it years, years ago. ago. Years ago. Ah. And, um, and then Iron and Air were running it and then basically Iron and Air... Uh, sold that part of the business to a publication company in the US that does all sorts of magazines. Um, yeah, and then Iron Air contacted me to see if I was keen on on actually buying it. So, so that's why when I when I when I send Chris an email, I just never get an answer. No, nah, yeah. I mean, best, best to go best to go straight to Wes in South Africa. I mean, yeah. he's he's on top of it. He's he still on board it. writing it. Also, he's mm. pretty much in. He's the man in charge. I'm pretty locked in the sideburn these days. You know what I, mean? <laughs> <laughs> I sold my soul to Scotty. Sideburn, sideburn. or pipeburn? Pipeburn. Let's talk about another website. Just a bit of a shout out to Gary. <laughs> Gary, we Gary, love you, Gary. Love you, man. Uh, apparently, <laughs> Gary's got big things happening soon as well. Yeah, I'm starting, a, I'm starting about. a podcast with Gary next week. <laughs> called the Sideburn Podcast. You are now uncut. <laughs> so a lot of these, a lot of these sort of things that have happened between events, uh, podcasts, and people that build bikes. I mean, they sort of do it because there's this love for it, and then obviously, it's ultimately turned into something that's quite successful. Um, can you give us a bit of a rundown as to what you're doing one before you started um, Silodrome or Sideburn or Pipeburn or whatever it is that you started <laughs> um, and, and then what led to the point of you actually starting. So give us a bit of the, uh, the background. Um, we can censor things out if we need to. <laughs> is it if, that pink button? If we go too yeah. deep okay, into something, yeah. you can just press. Whatever you say. I'll just whack that. Yeah. Um, We've so got an applause button as well. So if you're really proud of something that you just said, um, you, can, you can put that in there as well. <laughs> just leave that going actually. Um, so my parents are Christian missionaries, and or they were, they're retired now. And as a result of that, I ended up living in China when I was 14 and then we moved to Hong Kong when I was 15. And I kind of just grew up in Hong Kong after that, really. Um, I started working in restaurants, started as a waiter and worked my way up to restaurant manager. And I always, I loved cars and motorcycles and just adventure and all these things, but it's just so expensive in, in Hong Kong. A, a parking space can cost a quarter of a million dollars or more US. Wow, that's um, crazy. So I kind of started Silodrome, I guess, out of frustration that I couldn't actually have a car or a motorcycle and I wanted to write about them and have my toe in the water at least, um, just as a hobby on the side. Like I didn't even tell anyone about it. I was just I'd do a few minutes a day, do a little thing here. The first posts are like one or two sentences. Like it's not a, a big expansive thing, um, but it really took off. It became really, really popular, um, which I wasn't expecting. It had 
like 38,000 page views on its first month. Wow. That's with crazy. no social media or anything. That's it more than just... we get in a year, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it really took me by surprise and I thought, well, maybe I'm onto something. And I kind of dedicated a bit more time to it and it, it came along pretty quickly. Um, and then I started getting emails. Like I got an email in 2011. I think the site had only been running for like 10 months from Frank Stevenson, the, who was the head of automotive design at McLaren. Yeah, Frank's a good guy. Yeah, he's wow. a great guy. And he just sent me this really friendly email and he said, look, when you're in the UK, come and visit, I'll show you around. And a year later, I actually went and did that, took my dad and we had to- Did he take you on his boat? Uh, no, but we, we, he showed me some pictures of that boat. It's absolutely That's incredible, weird. yeah. Um, and so little things like that, and I've been able to meet some extraordinary people and, and just try to sort of build the site up over time. That's awesome. So uh, parents were Christian missionaries. Was, mm -hmm. was there no swearing at home? Yeah, we have a we all have a switch. If you meet anyone who grew up in a Christian family or a religious family, they all have a, this switch, and it's it's almost one hundred percent perfect. And it, you can just switch it off when you need to, and switch it back on. So, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so you're saying that you've never sworn at your parents ever? Uh, no, I don't think so. But there was a trip. They came when I was living in Sydney. They came to visit, and I they were with us for like two weeks. And I didn't say I didn't swear the whole time. I was incredibly well behaved. Didn't even blaspheme. Nothing. And then in the air, we're driving to the airport to take them to fly back to Hong Kong. And uh, we're driving to the airport and just two minutes before we got to the airport, some asshole cut me off. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, did you see this fucking guy? And I forgot that my parents were in the back seat, like, <laughs> wide-eyed. I was like, oh, so close. I was so close. You're so good. I can imagine what your parents were Googling for the rest of the trip, trying yeah. to find exorcists yeah, to get yeah. this demon out of this. They just saw that one glimpse of to who I really am. But um, I th yeah, they're, they're, they're lovely people. They're very down to earth and very relaxed. But And I'm not religious at all, but um, I certainly grew up you know, inside that world. Far out, Scott. Wow. Same. Same. <laughs> Scott is really religious. Like this is a really hard podcast for him to run with because um, he he never swears. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, oh. I, I grew up in a Christian household as well. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in a Christian household, but my parents were more like um, they went to church for funerals and weddings, but they would act like they were more religious than they actually were. <laughs> and, um, and my brothers and I, we're not, we're the same. We're not really religious at all. I mean, I don't think any of us actually uh, believe in anything else or... Funny, yeah. when we first moved to Canada from from the UK, when 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 we got there, um, to like integrate, you know, my parents started meeting friends, and and I started meeting some kids, and then then, but everybody in my hometown, like in that that time, everybody would go to church on Sundays. So my parents would be like, "We're going to church," and I'm like, "I ain't going to fucking church. What are you talking?" About? So, <laughs> I, so they took me down one day, and I was like, "This is fucking shit. Like I can't deal with this." And, you know, I'm just sitting there listening to everyone sing, and I'm. Trying, trying to force you to sing hymns and stuff, and I'm like, some like I don't know what time I was like, five or five or six at the time, and I was like, not fucking having it, you know what I mean? I was like, kicked out of Sunday school and it's causing fucking havoc. I think we lasted about three weeks, and they're like, okay, you don't have to go to Sunday school anymore. <laughs> so yeah, let's some, get to that. Some people gravitate towards it. Some don't. I mean, I had um, a mate of mine wanted me to be the um, the godfather of his son. And he gave me the phone call and he's sort of giving me the phone call on video time and you could tell he was being really awkward about it and I've just looked at him and it's taken him forever to get to the point. I've just gone, mate, if you want me to be the godfather, I'll do it. And he's like, how'd you know? Okay, because this is really awkward and it's taking me so long to get to this point. And the funny thing is I was sort of baptised, um, you know, Christian Catholic first um, and then I was, no, I was baptised Greek Orthodox first um, and then I was re-baptised to get into our primary school because our primary school was the Catholic primary school um, and you had a better chance of getting into that primary school if you were Catholic and not, you know, Greek Orthodox or Muslim or any other religion. So I remember getting baptised again and 
when he asked me, I sort of sat there and I said, well, wait a second, the Greek Orthodox Church is quite strict. I mean, the best man, if you know, you're Greek Orthodox, needs to be Greek Orthodox. The Godfather, the Godmother have to be Greek Orthodox as well. Um, and he goes, yeah, yeah. And I said, okay, well, I should still, there's no way that they've got a system where the Catholic Christian Church is talking to the Greek Orthodox <laughs> Church. There's, surely there's no database that says, this motherfucker's been baptized <laughs> yeah, twice. Yeah. So I called up the... Um, well, you could tell by your dick, right? Because they snipped you twice, right? So they, <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> got no less they, foreskin they, they, and they, half, a, half a nut. They knew I couldn't afford to lose any, so I just kept it all. Um, and then <laughs> I... Uh, I ended up calling the church that we used to go to as kids, uh, my dad's church, a Greek Orthodox church, and he said, yeah, yeah, basically come here and we'll look through the records and um, and bring a donation. Of course. Okay. <laughs> and so I've gone there and I've brought a donation and he's gone through it and he's printed it out for me and, um, and he's talking to me about my father and all the rest of it because my dad used to sing in the choir there when he first, sort of first came to Australia. And... He goes, oh, he goes, I haven't seen you or, or, you know, your parents here or anything. And I've gone, oh, yeah, it's been a while since we've been here. He goes, how long? Yeah, oh, not, not too long. I mean, it was basically when, um, uh, I don't know how to say it in Arabic, but Mansoul, whatever his name was, Mansoul means I think priest or something, um, whatever his name was, was was last here. And he looks at me and goes, oh, yeah, he, he died 18 years ago. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and, I've gone, and I've just looked at him, I've just laughed. And he just looked at me and he goes, it's okay. And I've gone, you know what, I promise that we'll be back here for Christmas this year. And then after Christmas, <laughs> my dad, after Christmas, my dad looks at me and goes, I had that promise go to the prayer. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's half on you because you also need to be willing to come here as well. Like I said, my parents, I think they act like they're super religious, but deep down, I think it's basically at this point where it's just like, yeah, if we need to go to church, we will, and you can be whatever religion you want. And even when my parents were growing up in Egypt, it was funny because, you know, they're Greek Orthodox, you know, mum's background's Polish, so she's sort of Christian. And um, their neighbours are, are Muslims and, and they're all friends. And then you talk to people now that go to Egypt and there's this great divide between religion which didn't exist 60, 70 years ago back in Egypt. It's like yeah, we've right. all gone, uh, gone backwards a little bit. Mm. It's funny yeah. how something, something meant to bring everybody together is, is ultimately what divides everybody. Yeah, it becomes mm. tribal and just everyone hates each other, right? It's like the, yeah, the yeah. state of the world. I know it's probably shit for a podcast, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like you know what I mean. It's like it's all, all the all the shit that's going on now is just dividing everybody. You know what I mean? If you if you like this or don't like that, and you're like everyone wants to identify as something to to fit in, but ultimately they're just isolating themselves out of yeah. you know. It's, it's just fucking nice. yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, let's talk about something that does unify people. Motorcycles. Motorcycles. Yeah, yeah. Motorcycles what do you ride? And whiskey. Um, ben Brandt. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Russell. Russell um, so I've, got, I've, I've kind of got one and a half motorcycles at the moment. I've got a 1971 Norton Commando, which is, oh, nice. has the engine and transmission are rebuilt, but there's some issues with the frame and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with it. So it's in storage at the moment. And I've also got a BMW R100GS Paris Dakar from 1993. Amazing. So it's like a, a proper old school adventure I've bike. That. Air-cooled. Five-speed transmission, very, very simple, very, very straightforward. I like it because you can fix it with a hammer and a stern word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you don't need to plug it into a laptop or anything like that. It's very yeah, basic. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's great. I've been having some wonderful adventures on that. And where are those bikes? The Norton is here in Sydney and the, um, oh, the BMW is in Singapore at the moment. But I'm actually going to ship it to Sydney and keep it here. Yeah, you mentioned that. Tell me about that because 
you can't ride that in Singapore anymore? No. So the, the, the every vehicle in Singapore, you have to have a certificate called a certificate of entitlement. Yeah. Uh, and that just allows you to register. You still have to pay registration, insurance, et cetera, et cetera. This certificate is just says you can have it for 10 years or you can also buy a five-year certificate as well. And this one is just about to expire and because of the vehicle's age, it can't be renewed anymore. Like it's, so there's no old school bikes? There in- is. There is a vintage vehicle scheme, but then this bike wouldn't qualify for that until 2000 and t- 2028. Oh, it's no. got to be 35 years, I believe. Um, so it's just going to be easier for me to just get it in a shipping container, ship it down here register it here and then just use it for adventures. <laughs> it'll, so, be, it'll be cheaper for you to ship it here and to fly over here and yeah, ride it. Than it actually it would. Because yeah. in Singapore, I mean, I've got a fair few friends that live there and they said that basically even if you buy a new car, the tax on it is almost double the car. So um, a friend of mine's got a, what are those mm. ugly Porsches called? The long ones that have four doors? The uh, Panamera? Yeah, one of those. And um, apparently that was a $1 million car yeah. in, wow. in Singapore. Yeah. And then you pay for that certificate of entitlement which is quite funny because you are entitled if you can afford yeah. it <laughs> and then you've uh, ultimately got uh, a license to drive it for 10 years yeah and then yeah. after it expires the car's worth almost nothing because you don't have any certificate so whenever you buy a vehicle everyone says how many years of coe do you have left how many years you have left on the certificate uh, oh, right. because as the certificate goes down the value just plummets it can plummet 20 30 grand a year depending on the car wow. sometimes more right so you can't um, make money on not really well. and if you do if import, you're exporting them yeah right? you can import vintage vehicles over 35 but then you have a special license and i think it's only 40 something days a year you can drive it oh, it's um, like a classic rego scheme yeah classic rego but then <laughs> after you import it and register it you can't sell it for two years so they want to stop people from importing stuff and flipping it and selling it yeah yeah, yeah. Got you. so how much, how much would a toyota corolla be in singapore a new one would be at least sort of hundred and I haven't checked the quality, be at least 140,000 US. <laughs> no way. Yeah, once you have your certificate, you've actually bought the car because there's a big tax on the car as well. Then you've got to pay everything else on top of that. No and then, way. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's wildly expensive. <laughs> I drive a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> once once everything's paid, and I may, I may be off by like 10 or 20%, but it's a lot. Like it's oh way over 100,000 US. So, so what, are, what are you going to do with no bike? Are you going to get another bike? Yeah, there? I'm thinking or, I might what, get another what's, bike. What's on the radar? I'm tempted to get another bike actually. Um, you're not just going to like talk to some of the brands over there. I saw that Gary was messaging on your. Uh, yeah, yeah. You don't just talk to me. I just give me a bike for a year. Yeah, there's there's some there's some really good brands actually over in in Singapore. Um, despite the fact that it's a relatively small market yeah. for motorcycles, but uh, the adventure bike scene there is actually huge because so although Singapore is pretty small, I think it's 31 miles by 17 miles. The island mm. it has two bridges across into Malaysia, and then from Malaysia you can ride straight up the peninsula into Thailand and. Cambodia, Vietnam, everywhere. And apparently it's pretty dodgy once you go over that bridge in Malaysia. Like if it, you stop, you, yeah, you, you, you it get can shit be. stolen off you. It can be, yeah. There was a guy on a Ducati, um, I don't remember the model, but he ended up parking in, a, in a, a mall parking lot and going inside and he came out an hour later and someone had cut the Brembo caliper off the front of his bike. Oh my god! It just, just it cut the just caliper. Off. Yeah, just no caliper. <laughs> just had it on a chain. It was just, just a hanging. The street. Yeah. wearing a necklace and Brembo <laughs> necklaces. The brake line was just hanging. Yeah. And there's another story I heard about some guys who were at a little street side cafe, seeing those little plastic stools, having some dinner at night, and their bikes were parked across the road where they could see them to, for safety. And then there was a red light and some traffic pulled up. There was a white van. And then when the traffic all moved off, one of the bikes was gone. Wow! Yeah. They're quick. They're quick. They're good. Yeah, they know they're what they're doing. They're like they must be Londoners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was getting wild for a few years. I mean, uh, I'm sure it still is, but it's, it, I, I, don't, I think it's calmed down a little bit, but just a bit. You know what I mean? Like London is fucking mad. I think the life expectancy of a bike in London is like 30 minutes. Like, <laughs> I don't know anybody, any one of my friends that live in London that haven't had a bike stolen. And like, 
luckily they're lucky if the bike's stolen from their house but sometimes they're riding the bike down the road and a scooter will pull up with two guys on it like with you know mm. full face masks on no helmet because if you don't have a helmet on the police are not allowed to chase you really so they have no helmets just bellicalavas and they'll pull up beside you kick you off the bike like knock you off it and the guy on the back will jump off get on pick up your bike and fuck off on the bike and then they just nick your bike yeah, and then if you and then you if you could track your bike back to your house or to wherever it is, they've got the guy like one of my mates had the guy's name, had his his address, had the bike tracked, went to the place, took photos of the bike, sat out front of this guy's house, went to the police with like a folder of here you go, here's where my bike is. And they're like, yeah, we're we're we can't do anything right now. He's got to go through the system and. He's just like, really? I think they told him to go knock on the door and get your bike back himself. So, yeah, wow. I'm going to go knock on the guy's door and get stabbed trying that to get my bike brutal. back. There was that video of that guy in the McLaren, and they were trying to break his window to get his mm. watch. Yeah. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah. And while he was driving, they're still yeah, yeah. smashing the window up. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, there's no doubt that sort of being the person that started Silodrome um, has got its perks. Um, tell us about places you've traveled. What's the coolest free shit you've ever got? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm actually trying not to get anything for free anymore. I'm like, I'm saying no because I have a couple of Nothing's actually free though, is it? It all no, comes never, with like, yeah, you got to do this, free. you got to do that, you got to do this. Um, I've got a cupboard full of jackets that I just, I don't use. They can, like, in Singapore, the humidity, they all go moldy, right? Um, I've, I've had some wonderful trips. I mean, I, I went to the Goodwood Revival a few years ago, which was just incredible to have a, Good you know, that. you get a press pass and you go backstage and there was, I saw uh, Gordon Murray was there and, Bernie Eccleston was there that year oh, and Jensen wicked. Button and Mark wow. Webber. Was, and was his daughter there? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just amazing. Like you see all these people in real life after seeing them, you know, on races and everything. And uh, this year I went to Pebble Beach, the concourse over in um, Monterey. And yeah, I was quite jealous. I was following your uh, Insta stories and we were chatting back yeah. and forth. Yeah. And you were like, I was just a, quite jealous. It's just, it's quite, it can be quite overwhelming to see that many amazing cars where each one you could spend a whole day, you know, looking at it and learning about it. It's fu it's funny. It's like you go to Goodwood because Goodwood's just before that. So literally every insane car that's like a one of one or the, the like Le Mans championship winning Porsche or whatever it is, like historic car, literally gets on a plane and goes straight over to Quail and you see them all sat there at Quail like a couple of weeks later. Yeah. I just yeah. want to get on that plane. That's, yeah. 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 That's the, <laughs> that's the ultimate. Have a seat on that plane. Yeah. Did, did you go to Quail as well? I did. Yeah. I see you there for a few weeks. Yeah. I was there for two weeks total. A little yeah. bit, I think one or two days over two weeks. Um, yeah, Quail was amazing. I really enjoyed it, actually. Yeah. It's, it's beautifully done, that event. Really well done. No, the hotels are nice and cheap that week, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I ended up staying <laughs> 1500 out. 1500 a night oh, or something man. like that. I had one quote for staying for a week in Monterey, but the event was 58,000 US dollars. Yeah. <laughs> what the Are you kidding me? I don't want to buy the hotel, yeah, man. Yeah, so yeah. Just, so but you weren't paying did, for that, right? Did someone, yeah, did someone fly you there? No, no, I flew over myself. Oh, what? Fucking yeah, yeah. rolling in the silodrome dollars. No, no, just yeah, just flew over <laughs> I myself. I paid for everything. No, no, and then there was a, a guy I know called Jeff. You Hacker. need to know how to negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, because if I do it myself, then I don't owe anyone. Yeah, right? yeah. I can just do what yeah, I like. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And uh, yeah, a guy called Jeff Hacker who does Undiscovered Classics, really lovely guy. He's got a bunch of cars, and some of them were being displayed at Pebble Beach that year. So he invited me to embed with them. And see behind the scenes the transport lot where there's all the amazing cars just parked around. And to do the dawn patrol, I was I went down in the dawn patrol down to the, the lawn in the morning, which is a, a big deal. And uh, it was just an incredible day. It was exhausting though. I went to my car for a nap actually. So what's the dawn patrol? Dawn patrol is when all the cars from the transport lot and there's a couple of hundred, yeah, all get driven down before dawn 
onto the, the main show lawn, which is the 18th hole of the Pebble Beach Golf Course, which is right on the ocean and the big clubhouse yeah, yeah. is there. And Amazing. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. And Pe uh, Dawn Patrol is all the owners of their cars and their close friends and their family, um, two by two in each car, sort of drive slowly down the hill. And then there's people sort of uh, lining the road on each side, sort of clapping and taking pictures. And, and it's all in the sort of eerie early morning dawn light. It's a really beautiful event. Awesome. Oh, so yeah. it's literally a drive-by. Yeah. Yeah. Before yeah. the show the starts. Without, without Tupac, yeah. Yeah, and as we were driving down, I saw a familiar face and I was a bit overtired. I hadn't slept much and I was like, I know that guy. How do I know that guy? And I don't know, waved at him. I was like, where do I know him from? And then I realised it's Emerson Fittipaldi. I don't even know who that is. He's a Formula One world champion from, oh, right. from yeah. many years oh, ago. And you met him before? Brazilian. Yeah, I'd seen him once before, but I didn't actually know him. I just recognised him because he's a celebrity. Yep. And he came over and chatted to us because we were sitting in a bit of traffic waiting to go. And he came over and chatted to us and we talked about the car. And So events like that really blow my mind when these people that you've been watching your whole life since childhood and you actually meet them in real life is incredible. And what was the highlight car, if you could have any car in that show? Um, I would say it was the McMinn Lamore Coupe, I would say. This incredible car that was built in the 1950s um, and it's, it looks like it comes from the 70s. Like it was about 20 years ahead of its time, this design. Yeah, Absolutely right. incredible. And this was the first, the guy who restored it, Dennis, was there and this was the first public showing of that car in the class. So wow. I just had people around. I, couldn't, I was having trouble getting photos of it on the lawn because it was just surrounded by people. And people are coming over going, you know, what, what is this thing? Like, where did this come from? This is amazing. Um, so that was great. And to be able to meet the guy who restored it and learn about the history... It was incredible. What about what about bikes? What what, what, what what bikes were there? They're actually at Pebble. I don't think there were any bikes. The, the Quail. There were a few, quail was a few, but it was a pretty small. Max had a few bikes out there, didn't he? Uh, I don't. He's in there. There was a couple of old Indians. There wasn't. There was a really small. I was surprised. It was a pretty small motorcycle group that, uh, at the Quail this year, anyway. It's kind of hit and miss, I think. Yeah. Because motorcycle, we're all, we're all fucking poor. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if we're building hundred thousand pound bikes. We're still poor pricks. We're not, we're not the guys <laughs> that buy the bikes. I guess. Yeah. And um, your favorite form of transport while you're in the US? Uh, favorite form of transport. People are going to think I'm a, a weenie for saying this, but they've got in. I went down to LA after this to meet some friends, and I had a wonderful time. And I saw that they have these electric scooters everywhere. Good and mom. LA traffic is no joke. Like it's it's. People told me yeah. this, and I didn't mm. believe them, but it's insane. Yeah, and you need LA, a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. LA Ubers motorcycle. can be a little bit sketchy as well. To be honest, yeah, yeah. I had a couple of experiences. And uh, these, these electric scooters are just everywhere. So it's an Uber thing. I have the app on my phone already. I was jumping on those and I ended up doing all of these like endurance trips across LA on these scooters <laughs> for like two hours, <laughs> getting the tops of my hands sunburned as I was like pounding over the potholes. <laughs> I did one trip from uh, Venice Beach all the way into downtown LA, which is over That's to, big. It's like two and a half hours on these scooters. And one <laughs> of them, there the battery ran out on this scooter. <laughs> I had to like try one. and find another one and get on that. And that only had like two thirds batteries. So I was hoping that was going to run out and I got all the way in and but, then I and then, finally I had a meeting it stops dead when you get near Venice but then the canal yeah it stops dead and I was like what have I, like, oh, what have I done there. and Wait, then what's the bill on that like uh, I don't, it was like it was like sixty or seventy cheap. US they're dollars. Not, yeah, it wasn't cheap. They're not cheap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're not cheap. Yeah, yeah. Like, they're like the price of an Uber. They're just a, 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 a kind of hair shy of a fucking Uber ride. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's really. I was surprised, but it is. It's a lot of fun, and I got to see a lot of people. Like it was, you know, it's yeah. a lot more. You're outside seeing the world. I yeah. thought it was great, and then I, when I got to finally got to downtown LA after two and a half hours of just potholes and ruts and, and batteries running out. And all the human shit you ride oh, yeah, in Venice. <laughs> the person I was meeting <laughs> sent me a message horrible. like, oh, sorry, I can't make it. Oh, <laughs> no. did you send them the invoice? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. 
Um, coming back to your blog, um, where do you find inspiration from to actually to post? Are you at now at a stage where, I mean, I know that I sent you an email the other day of something cool that I saw. Do you get lots of emails from people or is it still just you're just got your finger on the pulse and you're just looking for cool things that you connect with to share? Um, it's a bit of both, actually. I do. I get wonderful emails from from really people who are in tune with what I feature on Sala German. Really good suggestions. Um, I've also become friendly with a lot of the big auction houses. So when they have interesting stuff come up, because Sala is really just interesting stuff. Mm. It's stuff that you might not find anywhere else or publish something that's a bit different and try to go into a bit of the history and give a bit of background and context as well. So a lot of the auction houses have sort of got a feel for that now as well. So I get really wonderful suggestions about stuff that's coming up before anybody else gets to see it. Um, and that gives me a chance to go and research right and source the images and everything I need and, and get the story done. Um, the... Uh, and, th and then the rest of it is just me scanning, like yeah, yeah. looking and trying to find interesting stuff that I haven't seen before. If I, if I think it's interesting, it doesn't necessarily have to be cool. It just has to be interesting and I have to want to learn more about it and research it and read more and, and sort of present it and show it to people. Yeah, right. Yeah. Do you do paid posts as well for products? No, no, I don't. I, I kind of I, – I did some work with eBay a few years ago, eBay Motors, yeah, right, the, and right. I, did, I did like uh, listicles and stuff with them and blah, blah, blah. And I just I, I realized it got to the point where it wasn't really worth it for the money. Like I could I would make a, a more money just writing a regular article. Yeah. And I also I just didn't really feel like it was me to do that. Uh, and now I just do my own thing, and I don't have to. So I don't have to how, take notes. How how does an article on on Solidrome like translate to to revenue? Uh, advertising through, revenue through, through yeah. ads, like like a magazine. You know? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Um, so there's a company called Raptive, which is one of the best ad networks in the world, it's quite hard to get accepted actually. Mm. They spend about two months researching, looking at all your data and making sure you're legit and you're not paying for traffic or mm. using AI to make articles or anything like that. So Silodrome was accepted by them, I think three years ago or something. And uh, so they just take care of, they, they do all the, everything. Nice. And I just get a check. So it's it's exactly what I want. I don't want to have to deal with the doing accounts and sending invoices and trying to, you know, sell myself to get ad space sold yeah. and, you know, all that. I don't want to have to do that. So that's the placement, obviously, on the website, similar to Pipeburn, that generates the income exactly that yeah. sustains you working on it. Yeah. At what point? I mean, you started in two thousand and ten. We're now in twenty twenty three. Hopefully, it's still twenty twenty three when we launch this podcast. <laughs> um, so thirteen years. At what point did you get to a space where you're like, you know what, I can focus on this full time? Uh, two thousand fourteen. That early? Yeah. It was, wow. It was, I was really fortunate. I was really. I, I recognise that now that I was really fortunate. Yeah. And I also started back when like Pipe Burn and Bike Exif and even that was before Silodrome, yeah. there, there was a lot less being published. There were a lot less of these websites and these guys and, and we all sort of created this space to, to, to a degree. Yep. And now there's, there's a lot of competition now. There's a lot of sites that have come on. Mm. I, I mean, to be fair, Silodrome's the only one that I actually check, so you probably owe me some money. <laughs> um, but for me, it's sort of the website to go to when I'm sort of sitting there going, what's stuff that I can't afford that's really cool? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's the stuff that you... Uh, ultimately you sit there and go, oh, you know what, if I had this much money, I'd actually sit there and go and buy it. And it's also, really cool stuff. And also it. it's not the same old shit that you see regurgitated on like 15,000 other sites on, on online. You know what I mean? You, if, if, if a new car comes out, it's on everything. Or, yeah. or if it's mm -hmm. like a, a race car pops up and it's sold at auction for whatever and, you know what I mean, it's just flooded. Everybody does the same article, a different spin on it. But like you, you, you pop onto your site and there's always something, you know, it could be a, some kind of fucking tank or something, you know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. just like, oh, mm. that's fucking cool. I want to read about that plane or that tank or or whatever it is, you know what I mean? It's always something kind of, 
you know, way out there that's, that's, that's something I haven't seen usually, you know. Yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that because I really try to focus on doing, I always check and make sure I'm, I want to be the first one to write a story about it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's just got to be interesting, you know. Like a lot of people read Silent Drum on their phones now. So I changed the formatting a little bit so it would be just, I just want people to, you know, we all have busy lives. We've got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I just want people to have like five minutes of Zen where they can just read about something interesting. I put some bullet points at the top if you don't have time to read the whole article. Mm-hmm. And you, you just you have a look and, and you know, you know what you should do? You should, you, should, uh, you should do like an audio version of your article and you can read the article to people. So you get, it's almost like a podcast. So you could just like listen to this silodrome and just kind of... Just because you're not busy enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're not satisfied that you're working a full eight-hour day, so we need yeah. to actually get you to sort of but, reread it. But surely article. you have to read your article before you, you know, your final edit, you read it to yourself. Just plug in a mic and record yourself reading it out to yourself. Okay, that's good. Okay. Some soft jazz put, in like the background. Yeah. People put it book. under a different name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little reminder about not swearing on the desk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, you just need to get the magical uh, road that's got the magical buttons. We've oh, got, the buttons are changing colour. Yeah, no, because you can oh, flick between them. So we've just programmed some little sound effects in there like... Hugh, do you like me? And then there's... <laughs> <laughs> we've obviously got a thing for uh, Borat. Allergy. Um, and so with the website as well, I mean, I guess this is a really good opportunity for anyone that's out there wanting to sort of get into one, the blogging world to, I guess, the space of editorial and writing things. I mean, what are your sort of top tips to, I guess, help people that may be listening to this that want to start something, get a little bit further ahead? Uh, that's a great question. I actually get emails about this quite quite often from people who, who read Cytodrome and want to do their own thing. And uh, it's, it can be a bit difficult because the world is actually different now to how mm. it was in 2010. It is pretty different. But um, the basic rules still apply. You've got to find something that you're really passionate about. We all, I think we all have lifelong passions and we all have these infatuations that last a bit shorter, like six months or a year, right? And then we have some things that we just love our whole lives. And make sure if you're going to start something long term that it's one of those things that you've loved your whole life. Mm. And then make sure it's a unique niche. And if it's not unique, find a way of making it unique. You know, make it your own. Cover things in your own way and make sure it's interesting. Like you say, it can't be the same. If it's going to be a cooking blog, it can't be the same recipes that are everywhere else. So like come up with something completely unique. And so when people come to it, they stop and actually read it and they're interested in it and they show it to their mates. Um, make sure the articles are long enough, like a thousand words is a good minimum. And recognize that a lot of people are really busy and they don't have time to read the whole article. So don't put a whole life story in every article. I always put, I, I separate the article out into some bullet points at the top and that's been something that people really appreciate because if you don't have time to read the whole thing, instead of trying to scan the article, you can just read those four bullet points, look at the pictures, you've got a pretty good idea yeah. of what the article's mm, you about. You can learn something really yeah, quickly. Yeah, and it's taken you, what, a minute? You know, yeah. it's, it's uh, much more convenient. But yeah, make sure it's a lifelong passion, come at it with your own angle and then stick with it. The people I know who failed at this are the people who gave up. Yeah, I don't yeah. know anyone who's been doing this since 2010 or, mm. or who's been doing this for a long time who hasn't actually been successful and become, you know, had developed a brand and began making money with it. It just takes time. And a lot of people give up after six months or a year. I had one guy email me. He's been like, I've been doing this for 40 days. I still haven't <laughs> made any money. But how long until I – and I was like, mate, if your motivation is just making money, you can have a really disappointing time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like bike builders, you know what I mean? All these kids see, see you know – people building bikes and they've all this stuff online and then they build a bike and they, they realize that there's no fucking money in it whatsoever. And then they just kind of give up or, or they have these huge expectations that they're going to be, you know, fucking rolling sands next week. And it's just like, yeah, 
you know how long he's been doing that. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's Give it time. the guys that the guys that last are the guys that stick it out. And yeah, you've got to have that staying power and stick it yeah. out. And and to be fair, sometimes I mean not sometimes, but a lot of the time there's a lot of luck involved as well. Of I mean, course. none of us can sit there and say we haven't had those lucky opportunities, but it's because we've stuck to it that. Mm. It's been such a time frame that a bit of luck has come in between yeah. it, right? Yeah, I mean, for sure. But also, you got to seize that. You, you know, you 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 get a you get luck. Don't say copy DM, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but you, you you get those moments where where you know the, there's a lucky chance where you meet someone or you meet there's an opportunity there. But you have to be able to capitalize on that moment and kind of you know seize the moment when it when it's there. A lot of people kind of don't don't even recognize what's happening around them. They're kind of not open to, you know, what's going on and they kind of let a moment go by. And, you know, that could have been your only shot or, or you know what I mean, or only shot for the next X amount of time, you know. Scott, you think what I'm thinking? The Pipe Burn Business Podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so do you think we're going to take callers next week? will come back in, in vogue? Hey, sorry, who will? Do you think blogs will? They're kind um, of, I think podcasts have come... Yeah, Come podcasts on. are huge. YouTube has become really, really big. Yeah. And I think AI and AI-generated articles is a huge, huge threat for blogs um, because sites like Silodrome, you know, those and Pipeburn as well, mm. those those AI platforms have hoovered up everything. All this, Silodrome's got over 6,000 articles. It's all been hoovered up and it's all been processed by the, the hive mind and, and it's now able to kick out articles. There's still obviously AI mm. articles because the stuff we write about is a bit more niche. You know, mm. it's a, there's not mm. as much content. And you've got your own personality as well and people yeah. are drawn by your personality and they're drawn by your style of writing. I guess the threat is the upcoming people using yeah. it. But, I mean, you can still tell to this day if someone's just used doing, AI. Yeah, yeah. You what can. you need to do is like every 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 so often just write a spoof article that's completely fucking full of shit yeah. <laughs> and just let AI just suck it up and just regurgitate it to somebody yeah. that's trying to fake That's actually an not article. a bad idea. Yeah. That's actually a pretty good idea. People will be sitting there going, uh, uh, Ben, can you smell burnt toast? And <laughs> <laughs> just having a stroke in the corner. Um, what about in regards to... You know, you've had this successful website for a long amount of time. I mean, you don't do YouTube. Um, you've obviously got Instagram. Um, you use stuff on Instagram. It's quite engaging. Where does your head sit when it comes to things like TikTok and modern platforms like that? Uh, so that's a good question. I do have a TikTok account. I think I put one post on it <laughs> and it just gave me a headache because it's just scrolling and then there's just people yelling and it's just it's very confusing. <laughs> I'm too old for that, I think. Maybe my brain is too old. Um, but I do have an account there just in case, you know, whatever. Um, I think for me, if I was going to do anything, it would be have to be YouTube. Yeah. It would yeah. have to be something on YouTube. Are you comfortable on camera? Is that something? No, that... not at all. I hate the way I look and I hate the way I sound. Yeah, so do we. Yeah, me yeah. too. <laughs> You're looking good though, bro. Thanks, man. We're not on camera, right? So this is... Oh, yeah, yeah. There's a GoPro there. there. Hidden oh, camera. I'm on, the, I'm on the edge of the wide-angle lens as well. <laughs> yeah. It's going to stretch me out real nice. It took yeah. me six years on Discovery Channel to find out I hate TV. Was <laughs> <laughs> that six years? Yeah, yeah. Is no that how long way. Goblin works went for? Well, it's six years to film three three seasons. Well, we did three <laughs> seasons of Goblin. Goblin like Goblin Works, the the original show, and then we did a spin-off called Goblin Works Mod Shop. Mm. We did one season of that. What was the we, difference? Uh, um, Mod Shop was so <laughs> we did season one, two, three, and then pandemic hit, and we were about to see film season four, and then uh, and then obviously the pandemic fucked everything up. So so we were like, okay, so we just kind of sat and waited, see what what's, what's going to happen, and then. 2022 they started allowing like with film it, they kind of allowed they started to allow people to film and they kind of you had to have a bubble in all your crew or kind of you know you couldn't be exposed to everybody else and whatnot and and so they started allowing filming again because they realized that you know the tv and, and film industry was kind of taking a big hit and people needed and content while 
you know, this was sh all this shit was going on. Um, and so, th but Discovery Channel are like, oh, we don't have any money. And the production company's like, oh, we're fucking skint. So um, w they wanted to do season four, but obviously they didn't want to pay for season four. So they're like, oh, well, let's, how can we cut costs? So I think uh, me saying this is going to get me kiboshed off Discovery Channel from, from now on. We've got the button. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but, but they, they kind of ran out of money, so they, essentially the spin-off was season four of Goblin. But, so they, they, they like, how can, we make, how can we save money? So they're like, okay, get rid of the fucking bikes, um, and we'll just do cars. And then, so they kind of, it was, it was weird how they sold it to us, because they, they knew we wouldn't do a season four of Goblin if it was like some fucking shit, chopped down version of it. So... I get a phone call saying, uh, we've got this new concept for a show. It's like a spin-off show of Goblin, and we want, we're going to do cars, and it's going to be bolt-on kind of like 10 grand modification to a car, and it's going to be kind of like giving back to like um, healthcare workers and, and people that like first responders through the pandemic that were kind of suffering, and they needed a leg up. So we're like, yeah, that's great. It's a fucking great concept. You know, it's kind of mm. like a charity thing, and, and you know, we can use our platform or, or whatever to, to do this, right? And... Uh, <laughs> And the first guy rocks up and he's got like an AMG and he's got a 50 grand Rolex on and a Porsche 911 <laughs> Turbo. I'm like, I'm like, how does this fucking guy need fucking help? You know what I mean? He's a lovely guy. Like, he's a fucking great guy. Solid dude. And, uh, really successful. Yeah, nurse. But re what, yeah really what successful. He, 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 sold, he sold drugs. He fitted out carpets to, to, um, to cruise, cruise ships, cruise liners. And because all the cruise ships were locked in they weren't going anywhere he's like oh. i'm fucking cashing and he made like two and a half million quid profit in the pandemic because he was fitting out carpets on cruise wow. ships that weren't being used and um so how does he become the talent <laughs> that's what i mean but like so we got sold this show on the premise that we were going to be helping pe poor people that needed a bit of help and like all these people started showing up with like so, some chick like <laughs> buys a new car and brings it to us and like gets 10 grand's worth of mods and this one guy brought us his car he's, he's a preacher's son right Brings us this car, and it was a Mark, uh, Mark II Escort. Uh, or, yeah, Mark, yeah, Mark II Escort. And uh, so it was like, gives us this sob story about, about like, it's a family heirloom. It's been passed down by his dad. It's going to stay in the family forever, right? So we pimp this car out, kind of like, it's the only car we actually painted on the show because the rest were wraps. And uh, so we went through this thing, nut, you know, nut and bolt, and just made it really cool. And um, he, uh, about a month later, the fucking guy sells it. <laughs> and we're like, the whole thing was kind of a bit fucking weird. And we're like, okay, well, you know, we don't want to do this anymore. We can't, you the know. The TV show probably just got their mates to jump on board and got a bit of a side kick. That's what it was. Yeah. It was like friends of the producers. And I'm just oh. like, oh, man, like, what's going on here? This is so where can you watch that? Like, uh, can you it's stream on, it uh, It's on, um, on Discovery Plus. So so, Scott, are you in the same okay. boat as me? I've never watched an episode of it. Well, I have... The early season. Yeah, like Goblin was all on a free view. Like every every discovery, yeah. every every um, every territory has their free. It'll be Discovery Turbo or Discovery Max or whatever. No. And and like so so in England they've got a channel called Quest, which is like the free. It comes with your free satellite, free television network. So the the law like in the states, Motor Trend, it's like a free channel from it's Discovery's channel, but it's free. Um, so every territory will have their free network and they'll put it they'll air it there on on that but like now when they've started the discovery plus app so now everything's on discovery plus okay. so you got to pay four quid a month for so, it. so basically do you have any ideas to make money off a tv show <laughs> um, i was going to ask you how did you get comfortable <laughs> on camera 
Um, well, I, he's, I he's didn't. actually really shit. It's a lot I of didn't. takes. I saw him at the <laughs> Triumph Factory <laughs> when he was doing it. And I was like, oh man, Anthony's really funny. He's going to be really good on camera. And I think it took him about 10 takes to do that Daytona. Well, the, well, the thing is like- It I'm, must have been because I was watching. No, but I'm all right if I, if I can just talk about what the fuck I'm doing myself, hmm. right? But the problem is, um, so they'll, they'll, they'll have to get the script. Even though it's unscripted, it's still scripted. So they have to, so the night before- the, the show goes, or we start, we film an episode, they'll, they'll write this kind of rough script out and then they have to send it to Discovery. They have to approve it and then have to send it back. And then the thing is, they don't, we don't, like, we do work 24 seven. So at like 11 o'clock at night, I'll get a script sent to me. And I'm like, listen, it's fucking 11 o'clock at night. I'm well, not reading. For re the morning. I'm, yeah, for the morning. So at eight o'clock in the morning, I've got to learn these lines. And I'm like, and then you got to put them in your own words because it sounds like I've got somebody that's like writing a script that think they know me. And they're like, mm. oh, hey, what's up, dude? It's like fucking, <laughs> whoa, what's up? I'm like, hey, man, cowabunga. You're like, so they should have used AI. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm just like, what the fuck is that's this? That's how so, you do sound. So, cowabunga. Yeah. <laughs> Cow, exactly. It's like fucking well. Bart Simpson from the fucking 90s. <laughs> I'm like, it's Teenage Mutant Ninja yeah, Turtles. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm, so, so you get this the script, and then you'd have to put it in your own words, right? Because you, you rewrite it, and I'm like, I don't talk like that. So I'm like, okay. And then and then you get to set, and you're like, and then like, okay, ready to go. And I'm like, listen, I've just fucking got here. I need to learn my lines now because you know I wasn't going to learn Isn't them at eleven o'clock at night. No, no, no. So it's uh, so then, but like if if I can just go off, like if you just go, listen, all we need out of this scene is like you tell us the horsepower of the car or the bike and you know what you're gonna do and blah blah blah. I know that, you know what I mean? It's 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 shit I know anyways because that's what we're doing. But like if you start talking about the history of like the you know a Royal Enfield like from you know what I mean, going to facts yeah. about like when it started and me kind of doing some like uh, like voiceover stuff. It's like it's fucking mad and and so. If it, yeah, if, it, if it's completely off the cuff, it's, it's easy, you know what I mean? And the amount of times we'd go into it, but the thing is with, with, with filming with three of us as well, so um, when, we, when we had, in the beginning of the, the season, you have budget, right? And that, that's, that gets chipped away at really quick. So like this, the beginning of the season, we have three cameramen filming all three of us. So you have like, there'll be four or four cameras. You have a wide shot. And then you have a single on each each of us, so we can do it in one take. So we'll have it. We'll film a scene, and we'll be like, whatever the conversation is, it's done. It's in the can. Halfway through, no more budget. We've got like two cameramen, and now it's like, okay, you you, you have the f original conversation on on the wide, and then it's like, okay, now I'm gonna have the same conversation, uh, but I'm gonna shoot you, and then have it again and it'll shoot nice. you and you know what I mean so it kind of gets and you guys get paid the same even though you're working three times as hard yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like and also like I'm, I'm working on a new show at the moment I'm trying to figure out how I want to do it and what I want to do but uh, I like a build show is fucking insane like I had no idea like Mike Brewer, you know the show Wheeler Dealers? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He's got the best job in fucking TV because he literally does like five minutes of fucking work on, on an episode. Okay, he does a bit more than that. But like all he does is goes pick up a car and he does a bit of chat with the guy, drops it off the mechanic, pops in, does a couple of little things, says something, does a couple of scenes. At the end of it, does the thing, right? Where I had to do all the, the on-screen stuff, but I'd have also do the work so like mm. i get in i get in the office and or in, on the set at like eight o'clock in the morning and they're like okay from eight to eleven you're gonna build a gas tank for this bike and i'm like okay well it takes me <laughs> a week ten days to build a gas tank from scratch they're like i can't do fuck all in three hours and then they're like then it's a big dilemma and it's my fault mm. because i've 
kind of ruin their morning. And I'm just like, okay, fucking Jesus. Like, how are we going to do this? We need to, if you loop me into the conversation and we'll all help you plan the shoot schedule, then, you know, it's instead of some like, you know, 20 year old in an office planning, okay, we'll do this, we'll do this and we'll do that. And they don't know what uh, anything about building. And so it's just, it's just, it was a chaos thing. So I, I'd have initially, I, well, essentially I'd have like two jobs, well, three jobs because I would project manage all a bunch of other people building stuff and fabricating stuff for me. And then I'd have to do the building work, like a bunch of the stuff myself. And so I'm building a bikes and I do that. Like, so we'd film all day, say 12 hours is like a short day of filming. Mm. You know, it can go 16 hours. Sometimes I've done 18 hour days. And, and then when we wrap, I'm like, okay, tomorrow we need to do this. So I've got to finish fabricating this exhaust pipe or this by then. So I'm, then I'm, Working, working. Uh, the amount, the amount of times I've done three days complete with no sleep. So I've, I've, I've filmed for two, 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 three days. Then I've flown to Spain. I've not got any sleep, zero sleep. Got on a plane, flew to Spain, filmed the minute I got off the plane till till that night. Got like three hours sleep. Woke up after that, and then I had to race a bike with Freddie Spencer ripping around Valencia on four days. Like, I can't even talk, let alone ripping a bike around a track at 150 miles an hour. It's it's chaos. People think TV's, like, easy, and, like, everyone thinks you're rich and fucking you've got a cushy job, but, I mean, it's the fucking toughest thing I've ever done. It's great. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not complaining. It's it's fucking cool. You know what I mean? But it's it's only cool when it's done. Like when when the season's wrapped, like you fuck, we all hate each other by the end of it. We're all bitching and yelling at each other, and and then once it, once we wrap and it's fucking done and the the voiceover's done and we're like, oh thank fuck. Then then it's cool. Then you're like, oh that was fucking, and you hate it. And then they're like, yeah, I'm never fucking doing this again. And then they're like, you want to do season three? You're like, let's go. You know what I mean? And you get all excited again, and it's kind of this, you know, it's it's a big fucking car, like. Whatever you call those wheels, yeah, yeah. And ladies mm. and gentlemen, that's how Anthony Partridge became comfortable on camera. <laughs> <laughs> and do you watch, do you watch yourself? Do you watch the uh, show? Fuck no. They, they <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> Just depends on the situation. I'll, I'll, they'll send you like small scenes, and you'll have to because you have to fact check every episode, right? Okay. So they'll send you like when you're done when you're done filming six episodes or a whole season, you know, they'll send them all to you, and they're like. Yeah, watch these because we, we have to send them off in like two days. So I've got to watch myself on TV, like fucking find eight hours to watch eight hours of myself on TV to fucking fact check that'd everything. Be, that'd be painful. And I'm just like, yeah, no, they're good. Yeah, I've watched them all. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> Fuck, I don't watch fucking shit. It's so cringeworthy watching yourself on TV. And yeah, I hate my voice. And yeah. I, I don't listen to my own podcasts. And Again, it's just, it's, it's really tough. I'll, I'll download them so we get the numbers. I, 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 don't, I don't listen. It's, it's hard to listen to them, you know what I mean? And, and watch yourself on TV. It's fucking, it's, it is tough. Yeah, I was hoping for some golden bullet that would be like the secret to like make yourself comfortable on camera, but maybe no, it doesn't exist. Alcohol, mate. Alcohol. Alcohol okay. is great. <laughs> and that goes well don't, with riding with motorbikes. Don't do with Freddie Spencer. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't, don't do magic mushrooms. I can, I can tell you that much. I tried, like, after the pandemic, I was fucking a weird headspace right and i was like fuck I, I keep reading articles about microdosing and microdosing is great for like you know anxiety and a bit of depression and i kind of suffered a bit through through the pandemic as many people did and, and i was like and then we were kind of in filming and then we got to this point where we're working crazy hours and you never see anybody because you're what, what once you start filming you're you're 
you know, you can be a year without seeing your friends or your family or anything. You can just kind of full on like every day, six, seven days a week. And, um, and, and so I kind of got in this weird headspace and I'm like, fuck, how am I going to get myself through this? And, uh, and I thought, fuck it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try some microdosing. So I got some mushrooms and I ground them all up and I put them in little capsules and tried to get my body weight for how much I'm going to take. And, and so, like, so I'm thinking, okay, great. And, I, and I, so I took like this tiny capsule. It was like 0.1 of a gram or whatever of, micro, of mushrooms. And, uh, and obviously I didn't have a weekend or a day off so I could t test it to see you know, how, how good the dose is or whatever. So I show up to set and, uh, and we're like in the first scene of the day, right? And I'm like, and so I take this at like six in the morning, right? If I can take this, this pill and I'm thinking it's just gonna, it's not gonna get me high at all. It's just gonna flick a little switch. Supposedly like if you're microdosing properly, it kind of flicks a little switch in your head to kind of like give you a little bit like, not dopamine, but it kind of just, puts you in a different frame of mind, right? And it kind of helps you kind of with the, the anxiety, depression, or whatever you're dealing with. And, um, and so, so I'm on set, and I'm just like, just fucking spaced out, right? Staring at lights. And they're like, we're in a scene. And I'm just like, <laughs> uh, and they're like, they're like the, the director's like behind me going, hey, are you going to fucking say something? I'm just like fucking staring. My pupils are like this. There's, there's got to be an episode of the mod shop. Yeah, what my episode is pupils are, Let's I look up the episode. I have no <laughs> idea. My pupils are going to be like this fucking big, right? I was just fucking spaced out. I couldn't fucking think. And I was just like, oh, fucking, I actually got high, like, not high, but like this uncomfortable, like weird space where I'm kind of in between high and silver. And again, it was a bit weird. Definitely not good for TV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, now, Ben, do you have any more questions for Anthony? <laughs> He's just like, well, no, question? never doing TV yeah, ever yeah. again yeah, in my yeah. life. <laughs> but I've, I've, I've got, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm hopefully, I've got, I've kind of got a, a new show, um, Greenlit, where I've kind of, I've got a, a friend of mine who, who's going to Mushroom modus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's going to be fine. I don't, I don't know where it's going to land. It might, I, I'm, I'm trying it for for it to not land on t on terrestrial TV. I'm gonna go for a streaming platform, but I've got funding to do it myself. So we can. I'm gonna write it and and produce it. Well, I won't produce it myself. I've got a production company that's gonna help me. But essentially, I'm the executive producer, so I get to say what what the content is. So I get you know, I get offer him a job. I get to yeah, <laughs> come come be awkward on telly with me. Oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> and uh, and and so yeah, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to find the time now. I got to finish this bike I'm building, and then and then I'm gonna focus some time on writing the, the, the show out. So if you got any ideas for fucking something cool that you'd like to see on TV, I'm trying to rack my brain for something, a new spin on a show that hasn't been done. That's kind of cool. And, and I don't, like I said, the, with the build show, I just, it's so much fucking work. Cause you, you, you know, like while you're filming something, if I'm like got something in the, in the English wheel or I'm welding something, it's just like, 400 takes of me just doing the same thing and I'm not actually doing the job like mm. the other job's already done or I've got to do the job afterwards and so you're not you're just taking a bolt out putting a bolt back in taking a bolt out and it's just so you don't actually get anything done while you're filming it's just you know just for the show so mm. um so you've got these fucking two jobs and I, I'd rather do a show where I'm actually you know doing something so I've got like I've come up with a few different ideas like I want to challenge like famous people to a race so like you know say whoever you are, you actor, rock star, you know, race car driver, something like whatever, just like I'll challenge you to a race and then whatever it is, it might be a jet ski, it might be a fucking snowmobile, it might be a car, it might be a bike, it might be drifting, it might be 
whatever it is, I'm fucking up for it. I'll fucking, we'll have a little training camp. I'll go, if I don't know how to do it, I'll go do a little training camp and I'll, I'll, I'll race you. And, uh, and then the winner of the race um, or, or the loser of the race has to pay the other guy's charity. Uber scooter um, with you in LA. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, electric scooters, man. <laughs> yeah, Endurance. Yeah. Oh, Race lime scooters yeah, yeah. across LA. But like you were saying, in the canals. Mm. <laughs> in the canals. Brace them in the canals. I want to see. I you reckon can, with his scooters, experience. With his scooters, scooters turn off in the canals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, well, why some we'll that aren't wide? Just yeah. jet skis in the canals. The yeah, residents yeah. would love that. <laughs> or those boats you guys I, race I, in Australia with those little jet boats. You oh, know those things are cool. But race those for the Venice canals. I think with your with your new skill set. I reckon you can fucking take him. <laughs> and if not, we'll just rig his a little bit to, yeah, uh, to make it a little bit slower. I race dirty, so. <laughs> I'm just picturing so like um, the movie Grease where they've got the wheels, they've got the little oh, yeah, yeah, things flaked out of it. I'm just going to give him some mushrooms before the race. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm going to do. He'll be sitting there staring at the lights. Just right. give me lots. More yeah. mushrooms. Get me properly high. Not, not, not in between, I'll be good. All right, we're coming up to an hour, so we're going to wrap this up. Scotty, last questions. Um, I was going to ask. Then you forgot his name again, didn't you? <laughs> no, I didn't. Did you just look at his phone? At, no, no, my, <laughs> like, what's his fucking name again? I said, <laughs> said the text. Um, I shouldn't be looking at my phone. Um, Malaysia, what's it like to ride? We kind of just talked about across the bridge when they, they stole your <laughs> oh, bikes. Yeah, yeah. What, what's it like? So, actually, along? I have to say, across the border, it's the town is called Johor across yeah. the border, and it's actually an awesome place. Like, I've never had any trouble. Is she cute or is she just a whole? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, but from there, you can just get straight on the highway and you can ride straight up past Kuala Lumpur up into the, the central mountainous area called the Cameron Highlands yeah. and the Genting Highlands. And it's just beautiful. It goes up three, 4,000 feet. There's tea plantations and berry farms. And it's like, it's got sort of colonial English architecture up there as well. It's kind of a bit strange yeah, amazing. from the, the colonial days, I guess. And you can keep riding up straight into, into Thailand and off to the island of Penang. And there's just a lot to do in Malaysia. And the people, especially after the pandemic, we did a few rides up, a small group, and we're all like random white dudes on adventure bikes. And we're going to that, these towns in the middle of nowhere in Malaysia. And you stop for fuel and people just, dozens and dozens of people come out just to look at you and sort of in still, awesome. you know, stilted English. I think you're Justin Bieber with that hair color. Oh yeah, I tell them I am. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and they, they're just curious. And yeah, they want to ask, you know, where are you, where are you from? And I say, Australia. They're like, oh my God, you rode all the way from Australia <laughs> to Malaysia? <laughs> I did Nepal in 2015 for I think it was about 13 days and that was pretty cool. Everyone in Nepal was pretty chill. And then we did India in 2018 and one of our mates... Because you look so different from everybody over there, This is the funny there, right? part, right? <laughs> this is the funny part. So in India, they get really excited to see white people. And uh, Patrick Stevenson, one of our mates, the guy that was DJing with you yeah. at Throttle Roll, um, he had his hair blonde. Like he looked like Justin Bieber, right? Yeah. And it was so funny they would sort of all gravitate towards this crowd because there was 13 of us and I was the only brown guy. And I'd be like, oh, if you want to take a photo with us, you can you can take a photo with us. And they'd look at me and they'd go, oh, yeah, yeah they're great. And then they would give me the camera to take the photo. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just sit there and go, yeah, that's, that's about right. That's about right. So what's, what's – uh, what's before we wrap, uh, talking about riding over there, what's what's Singapore like? Is it? It seems like a place that would be quite strict. If you got caught pulling a wheelie, you'd be. Yeah, up in I think I think you would get in quite a bit of trouble. I actually don't really ride in Singapore anymore. I just ride like from my place you, to the border to get across if I'm going to go for a ride because Singapore's it's relatively small. There's not really any like winding mountain roads yeah, or anything. Yeah. There's just it's not really like that. It's not designed for riding. There are some places you can go, but generally speaking, if we're going to ride. We get up really really early. Um, get on the bikes, you know, pack the bags and across the get border before there. the traffic. Because you get stuck in traffic, you're just fucked basically. Um, Are you not allowed to split lanes in, in 
No, it's, it's, there's plenty of speed cameras and, you know, it's uh, in Singapore I just wouldn't mess around. Yeah, and to but, be um, fair, it's just too fucking hot. Yeah. It's, I was there for the F1 mm. and I, I don't think – I've been there four times and I don't think I'm going to go back. It's, I'm like, gonna, I'm it's a, like Dubai, yeah? Yeah, I'm at a body weight now where it just doesn't really connect well with that level of humidity. Like it was <laughs> yeah. 35 degrees there and I was struggling and then I come back to Sydney and it's 35 degrees and I can go for a four-kilometre walk and I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Have you thought about riding the GS back, like to Sydney? Australia over the water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Rob, Robbie actually, Madison. Yeah, we've actually no, got could. a podcast with Robbie Madison coming up, so we can ask him some technical questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you can do some fabrication. We get a yeah, paddle yeah. wheel or something on the. We'll back. do a TV show about it. So yeah. you know, what I, I mean? tell you, you what, know, take some mushrooms. Hit a, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Use. We've got the new show. Yeah. but you can <laughs> do it from Malaysia to Australia yeah. and catch a ferry across. Oh, ferry. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. You can do it. How long would that ferry be? Seven days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Henry Crew did it. Yeah. So, I mean, we can ask Henry about it. Henry Crew, what's he been up to? I know he's gone quiet. Lately. He's in, he's in Melbourne. He's is in, he? I caught up with him in Melbourne, but that was a few months ago. He, he, I thought yeah, he was meant to come up for Throttle Roll as well. Because he was doing nothing. some like adventure rides in England. I think he was taking people oh. like Green Laning and stuff like, and taking them like through Wales and up through. No, but he's doing different... something with, um, with culinary. So it's something where it's based, you go on uh, dirt bikes. And yeah. I think you go and grab food and you make it on the spot or something like that. It's, it's, a, it's an experience. He, mm. I remember him talking to me about it. Maybe we'll get like him on the podcast. Riding motorbikes and cooking. Char- on the Char- mushrooms, Char- yeah. Charlie's going to be pissed <laughs> about that because Charlie wants to show, start a cooking show. He's working on starting a cooking show about bikes and cooking. And oh, really? How does he feel about you being on this podcast? I don't know. Charlie, how do you feel about me being <laughs> on the podcast? <laughs> no, they're good. You know what I mean? Did you get uh, the, did you get permission? I did ask permission. What did you say? Tell me how that conversation went before we get off. I said, Ben, um, I'm going to do a fucking podcast with Mark fucking Howard, and he's like, Yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Well, well you know, we'll, it's two very we'll, different hey, podcasts. And, and so anybody, anybody listening to this, can, go can, over and check out our podcast as well that I do with Charlie Borman and Ben Bowers, the Nod, and uh, we'll do the same next season of that. We'll promote this one, and you yeah, know, what it's I mean? good. It's just, so basically, if if Anthony was actually himself on that podcast, it would just be. <laughs> well, ben, ben Ben does edit me out quite a lot. You know? like, did I even say anything in that podcast? I swear we had a bunch of fucking conversations. They're like, yeah, it was fucking. You, you said too many fucking things that we couldn't. We yeah, so they're now up to. Um, I think they've finished off season two, and his yeah. microphone's been broken for the whole two seasons. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ben, it's been a pleasure to have you on board. Thank you so much for joining us here in Sydney. Uh, awesome to have you down. We went for a ride together on Wednesday as well, so yeah. it was cool to uh, burn some rubber with you as well. Um, let's wrap it and go for a ride. We're go going for yeah. a ride tonight, right? We're going for a ride tonight. We are. We're going to show you, Mr. Partridge, uh, Bondi Beach, Coogee by nighttime, bit of the city, King's Cross, and then we'll come back here for a few beers. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks Thank for you. See you. Thanks for soon. coming. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Daddy. Scotty. Scotty doesn't know. <laughs>